Have fun in the Stone Age while I step into the third dimension. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. What can virtual reality actually do? I set the time zone. I set the time zone. And my phone does that automatically. I'm going to see if I can make the font bigger. Can virtual reality put you in somebody else's shoes? Virtual worlds are exciting, but let's not forget about the real thing. What is real? How do you define real? If in three years you are using VR to read your email, then we have failed miserably on the show. Our guest is Jeremy Balenson, director of the Virtual Human Interaction Lab at Stanford University. I've coined the DICE acronym. The DICE acronym is use VR when in the real world it would be dangerous, impossible, counterproductive, or expensive. What can VR actually do? My world is officially boundless. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Can virtual reality solve real-world problems? Will it make us more empathetic? Could VR even help us tackle the climate crisis? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Accept your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you via the studios of KALW San Francisco Bay Area. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy, and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today, it's the next episode in our series, The Human and the Machine, generously sponsored by HAI, the Stanford Institute for Human-Centered Artificial Intelligence. And we're asking, what can virtual reality actually do? Well, I don't know, Ray. I think virtual reality is really fun. I mean, you put on a headset and you're, you're suddenly transported into a magical world. You, you can swim with dolphins. You can spar with Darth Vader. You can pretend to be James Bond. Landy. Josh Landy. Licensed to philosophize. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm definitely using that. But I don't know. All of that, I mean, it's fun, right? Uh, I, but is there, is it anything more than fun? I feel like it's a, it's basically a glorified 3D video game. Is there anything more to it than that? I mean, yeah. You can exercise in VR. You can have meetings that are way better than in Zoom. You can teach kids cool things about science. You can even get therapy for phobias and PTSD. But I can get all of that in the real world. I mean, isn't it better to have a living, breathing teacher or, or therapist? Yeah, but there are some things you can't do in the real world. Like you couldn't stand inside a real volcano and you wouldn't want to be in a war zone. VR lets you experience things like that. Things that are dangerous or even impossible in the real world. Okay, but why is that important? I mean... If you can feel like what it's like to be in a war zone, you can start to really empathize with victims of conflict. There's actually this really cool VR experience called Clouds Over Sidra that takes you around a refugee camp in Jordan. It's very moving. Well, I agree. I've actually done that one and it's it really is fantastic. But the thing I wonder is, look, if the point is to develop empathy, is VR really better than novels? Ugh, you and your literature always stuck in the 19th century. Anything a novel can do, VR can do better. It's fully immersive. It tricks the brain into thinking it's really having the experience. I mean, you don't get that from reading Madame Bovary or whatever. <laughs> Madame Bovary or whatever. Like, I, I'm not sure that I'm entirely as sanguine as you about VR. I mean, every time I use my VR... You know, whether the signal drops out, I, I feel that heavy helmet jabbing into my head. My hands look weird. 
It's not fooling me. Okay, but how do you explain the fact that people are constantly injuring themselves in virtual reality? I mean, it's even got a name, VR to ER. Oh no, what's happening to those poor people? Well, they, they think they're like being chased by a zombie, so they run into the living room wall to get away from it. Oh, that's highly unfortunate. But, but what's your point? Well, the point is that VR is the most powerful technology ever invented for creating imaginary experiences that feel really real. And because they feel so real, they have impacts that are pretty similar to real-world events. If you see someone suffering in VR, your heart will bleed for them. Okay, my heart will bleed for them. I mean, it definitely did in Clouds of Sidra, but, but what about people who love, I don't know, like running over grannies while playing Grand Theft Auto? I mean, uh, are those people suddenly going to develop empathy just from doing something in VR? <laughs> okay, Josh, like, of course not every VR is going to build empathy. But if you do a good job as a designer, you can really help people develop their emotional skills. Maybe, but I, I think that assumes that people choose the good experiences. I mean, if you're not already an empathetic type, would you even be interested in something like Clouds of Isidra in the first place? Hmm, that's a good question. And I can't wait to ask our guest all about it. It's a Jeremy Balenson from Stanford. Oh yeah, he directs the virtual reality lab where I once went and fell down an imaginary hole. Ooh, hope you didn't hurt yourself. <laughs> Just my pride. I still think VR has a lot of potential, L like using it for projects that teach people more about the world by taking them there. We sent our roving philosophical reporter, Shireen Adel, to explore the ocean from the comfort of her own home. She files this report. So the other day, I downloaded this app on my phone. Huh, there's like a window. What is... Oh, that live together in an ancient symbiotic relationship with tiny plant-like algae. It may sound like I'm just watching a video, but when I open the app, my camera turns on. And when I move my phone around my room, videos and graphics start to pop up. This is augmented reality. It allows you to see graphics within your surroundings. Because so much sea life lives in coral reef habitats, they are known as the rainforests of the ocean. So now, above my desk, there's this picture frame with the ocean in it. And outside the frame, there are all these buttons. I click on one, and through my phone, it looks like my room is overrun with coral reefs. And there's a guide who tells me all about what I'm seeing. Coral reefs are vanishing at an alarming rate. The corals I'm looking at aren't like the brightly colored ones you see in photos luring you to some tropical island vacation. They're white and pale because they're dead. Looking at them, it seems obvious. But apparently spotting dead coral in the ocean isn't that easy if you don't know what to look for. That's actually one of the things that made Erica Woolsey want to create these virtual experiences. I remember diving on a degraded reef, being brought to tears, crying inside my dive mask, uh, and coming back up to the surface. And a lot of the crew, the, the dive team, were talking about how they saw this or that fish, and, you know, focusing on the positives, but I realized they didn't even notice that the reef was degraded. Woolsey is a marine scientist and a visiting scholar at Stanford's Virtual Human Interaction Lab. She's also the co-founder and CEO of The Hydras, a nonprofit whose mission is to literally bring ocean science to the people. I noticed that even in the less than a decade amount of time, I was studying these places, they would change dramatically. 
And she realized that with advances in technology, she could replicate the experience of feeling like you're actually in the water, not just looking at it on a screen. Virtual immersive reality gives you the superpowers of time travel, teleportation, and shape-shifting. So how would you use these powers to solve a problem? And what if that problem was global climate change? So Woolsey and her team designed lots of different experiences that kind of make it feel like you have a superpower. Remember the augmented reality experience I tried out? Well, Hydras also has completely immersive virtual experiences, like stepping into your own personal documentary. You look around and you're underwater in Palau, for instance, and you see manta rays and you see a coral reef and I'm there as your dive guide. Um, and you might hear some narration as well. And if you turn your head, the world turns with you. And you don't need a fancy headset to be there with her. At the beginning, she was just using a $15 cardboard viewer and a smartphone to give people a 360-degree view of an underwater world. I had never had that level of interest and curiosity, um, which is, I think, how you spark a scientific mind, um, but also how you spark that care and that desire to protect something. The first step is getting that feeling of complete awe and wonder. With virtual and augmented experiences, seeing is believing, which can lead to a much deeper understanding of what's at stake as the climate and our oceans change. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Shireen Adel. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.